This episode of Children's Ministry Monthly is brought to you by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get me, your host, to draw you just about anything for pretty darn cheap. Check it out today, see what I've done for others, and see what I could do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. If you need a children's ministry logo, a church logo, backdrops, backgrounds, banners, business cards, whatever, you can get it pretty cheap. DrawYouAPicture.com. Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly, episode 20, brought to you the week of March 7th, 2010. Hi, I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, children's pastor at Sun Coast Cathedral in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's a little colder than it ought to be, but not to me, not to this Kansas City boy. Everybody else thinks it's freezing. It's hilarious. Poodles being walked around in 60-degree weather with sweaters on. Uh, You know, the Bible tells us not to judge, but that's pretty silly. I think I'm allowed to judge silliness. How about that? Just not the kind of judgment that sends people to Hades. Anyway, um, this month we're going to be talking about discouragement. Uh, The title of the episode is probably going to be Dealing with Discouragement. Things like disappointment and, and things that get us down in the ministry. Um, I think a lot of children's pastors deal with discouragement because children's ministry takes so much from you, which is why it's hard for us to get workers. People know it's the hardest job in the church just about besides the senior pastor and possibly the people that have to change diapers in the nursery, the really bad ones. Um, but it's 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 not a lot of fun sometimes. I mean, we always know we're making an impact, but I think that's why Satan comes against us so much and tries to discourage us. The other thing is, too, is every children's pastor I've ever met wants to be doing more than what they're doing now. And there's a fine line between um, having vision and then getting to the point where you're just discouraged because you're not reaching your full potential. But there's a balance in there where God's in control and yet we sometimes are so discouraged we're not doing everything we think God wants us to do that we forget to praise Him altogether. You see what I'm saying? I know that's where I was the other day. Um, I was, I was, uh, I'd done a Valentine's Day outreach. I'd had a ton of uh, Valentine's printed up, and it was kind of a cool idea, I thought. Uh, they were Valentine's that said, it would be sweet to have you be my guest at Kid City, you know, and it said at the bottom, you know, if you bring this, you get a prize. And the kids that were giving them away knew that they would get a prize too. And so I bought double what I thought. I imagine I got a thousand cards going out. I'm going to get 30 people. Now, statistically, you only get 1% return. That's what they tell you. So I was imagining about 10 kids, but I was praying, I was believing, you know, I was being visionary. I went out and bought 60 boxes of heart-shaped chocolate, 30 for the visitors, 30 for the kids that brought them, and um, and there they sat, unreturnable, if I was wrong. Well, long story short, we had five visitors. I gave away 10 boxes of chocolates, and I was a little discouraged. Um, all the way Sunday and the next morning, you know, I'd wasted, in my opinion, the church's money on buying 60 boxes of chocolate. How stupid did I feel? Um, and I'm writing in my journal Monday morning, doing my devotions. And I wrote down, you know, how, how depressed, not depressed, but just discouraged that I was and how, how silly I felt and disappointed. 
And then right there, God slapped me upside the head, as he typically does with me, because I need it, apparently. And he says... He said this, um, and and again to quote uh, a friend of mine too. Uh, you always know when you've got a, or at least I do. I know I've got an idea from God when it's t- it's too smart to have come from me. So that's the way God talks to me: is ideas in my head, and and the idea that came is when you are disappointed, uh, you you forget to praise. You forget to praise me, and right there on the spot, I did a one eighty, and I begin to praise God for those five kids that showed up. Um, and, 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 you know, even, and, and only then did I remember that one of the kids had told me that when she was invited, she had brought her mom and brothers and sisters too, and a dad. So an entire family came, not just five. Um, but I had let my, my disappointment, you know, literally wanting to do more for the kingdom, wanting to do more for God. Um, I let that rob me of the blessing of what had been done. And uh, apparently God was happy. God was thrilled. He was in control. He knew the outcome before I even started, before I even got the idea. And um, he still let me go through with it. I apparently was a little more concerned about it than God was. Uh Uh-huh. So see, I've found there's a line there between, uh, you know, that that visionary viewpoint and wanting to do my best and and, and wanting to do more and more for God. Uh, I, I want to keep that, but at the same time, I need to still be happy and pleased and, and thankful for what I've got. Um, I've got the unique opportunity not only to be able to share my view on this, as I, I was at the uh, National uh, Children's Ministry Agency Conference in St. Louis, Missouri this past week, which is why the show came out seven days later than normal. I wanted to get a chance to get some interviews, and I've gotten so many great interviews, um, not only for normal, everyday children's pastors like you and me, um, but also from a musical group called the Lads, and then a um, a preschool, uh, or she's an adult, but she performs for preschoolers. A a wonderful musician and quite a genius. Her name is Miss Patty Cake. Um, our interviews with those bands were so good. I'm going to save those for future shows. Uh, however, I do have a couple of interviews I'd like to play now. One with Mark Turner. He's a children's pastor, not too far from my old home in Kansas City, in Oak Grove, Missouri. Um, New Life Assembly, and uh, he's got some uh, some some information and, and focusing on how much God is in control of the situation. Uh, we definitely could relate on this topic. Here's here's Mark. I'm sitting here right now with a children's pastor. I was very good friends with. Actually, used to work with me at uh, Sheffield. Uh, God later moved him over into a children's pastor position of his own. He is in. Uh, uh, I'll let him introduce himself. His name is Mark Turner. He's been children's pastor for the last two years full-time. So, Mark, uh, real quick, before we find out what you want to say, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Oh, well, I'm uh, from New Life um, Assembly in uh, Oak Grove, Missouri, um, and I've been at New Life for a little over two years now. just love it. It's, God sent us there, and we just uh so blessed. I mean, my wife just absolutely love it, and uh I don't know, we learned so much from you, obviously, in all the years that we were with you guys. So, I mean, it, it was just such a blessing to be able to, uh, to move into the position that God was, I think, preparing us to during that time because the many things that we learned from you and the, and the many things that we learned just in our time at Sheffield, just, hey, we realize that God's always preparing us. Everything that we go through, everything we experience, God's preparing us for the next thing. I just simply believe that. And you made a comment a minute ago about, about the disappointments that we that that we that we you know that we face sometimes because of oh you know you you do all the planning the preparing and all this and and you're expecting such amazing things to happen and 
and and yet you know you just realize that once again that same god that uses everything that we've done in our lives to lead us to the next thing is also he's the one that knows who's supposed to be at an event and he's the one that leads people to show up in an event and sometimes we think that our work um or failure to or, or our it, it whether or not our work um no matter what it is that we've done, we think that it's that work that's going to bring about the results, and it's not. It's God that's bringing the results about. And I think about that sometimes just in terms of leaders. You know, one of the biggest um, obstacles that we all face is getting more people involved in our ministries. And yet, you know, we also have to look at that from the standpoint of, you know, God knows who He wants in our ministries. He knows who should be our leaders in our ministries. And sometimes maybe we don't have as many leaders as we would like involved, or we don't have as many people there, and we get a little disappointed about it but if we look at it from the big picture perspective God knows who should be there and he's going to bring people on um, as he leads and I don't know I, I step back sometimes and I think about that and I would rather have you know three leaders who feel a call of God to be involved than try to push 10 people to be involved because I believe that the three are going to get more accomplished because of the fact that they feel led to minister to the kids than if we were just to beg and plead to try to get more people involved. That's, that's just, you know. Well, I, think, I think what I'm hearing you say is that God's in control even when, even when we don't have everything we need. I think what happens is we get such a mentality that if I'm struggling, then it's not of God. And if everything's perfect and going great, then it is of God. And so I need to pray against this in my life. And what I'm hearing you say is if, if, you've, if you've got less workers and less this, there's, it's easy to get disappointed. But what you're doing is you're forgetting to add the God element that, that God knows this. He's, he's okay with it, apparently. Absolutely. He's allowing it. And he has a plan for not just to fix it, but for, for the situation itself. Absolutely. He's, he's wanting us to rely on him. He's wanting us, he's growing us to that measure to where we'll rely on him to bring about the individuals in his time. Because when, when things come to fullness in his time, it's going to grow so much stronger, so much better than anything that we could do on our own. And so when we, when, like say, at those moments of disappointment, that's where I really do. I kind of sit back and I say, there's no need to get disappointed. This is just a time to rejoice that God knows what's coming up. He knows what's going to take place. He knows who should be there and who shouldn't be there. And what I just simply need to do is be obedient to him and continue on in everything that he's led me to do. And then he'll bring about the results. And um, I don't know, I, I just step back and I, can, I, I rejoice in that at times because at those moments of thinking, oh my, this, you know, what's going to happen here? I, I have to step back and say, I, I can't worry about that. That's, that's, that's up to God. Now, when, when does that realization come in, in reality? Is it during the event when you're understaffed or after the event once you've, once you've uh, or do you, do you think it up in advance? I mean, when, when does that realization and peace come? Now, I honestly think about it in advance. It's like, you know, we've got Easter coming up and obviously Easter is always generally a big event and you're always wanting as many leaders, as many workers to be there to help out. And you need that. But at the same time, to sit back and worry about, oh, who's going to be there? Can, am I going to have enough? I, I guess I've stopped worrying about that. I've stopped letting that occupy my time because one of the things that I have found out in these years is that he always brings about the result. He always brings the individuals forward. And it's not always by me walking up and saying, oh, are you going to be there? Are you going to, you know, it's by people just walking up and saying, hey, um, the event's going on this day and this time, right? And I say, yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to being there. And that's another person that you know is going to be there. So while we put out everything, and that goes back, you know, we, 
we uh, publish it, we let everyone know, and we of course invite and we try to encourage individuals, but let's leave it up to the Holy Spirit to play on somebody's heart to get involved instead of worrying about whether or not I'm gonna have enough people and such. Let's just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do, and, and I believe he'll lay on people's hearts as we've done our diligence, and that is an important thing there. Right. You know, I can't just, I can't know that the event's coming up and just kind of step back and just and not do anything. I've got to be prepared and do all of the things that are necessary. But once I've done that, then I believe that God honors that and he brings forward the leaders and the workers and, and the candy and, and all the things that we need. And, you know, it might even be at the last couple of minutes, but he brings it forward. So, I mean, that's a blessing. And I love, I love that. Um, what I hear you say, again, is, is, and I can relate to that, is we sweat. So we think that all this is going to happen because I did, I did my yeah. work. But I have Sundays every now and then. Maybe you do. I call them full moon Sundays where I've done all the same prep. I've done all the same stuff. And nothing goes right. The kids are insane. I've got the same discipline, the same structures, the same policies in place. But everything goes wonky. And, and it's very tempting to go home and, and, uh, and worry about that. But again, even in those places, place, what I'm hearing you saying is God has a purpose and God has a plan. And, and to, to sit around and be disappointed or discouraged is to remove him from the equation. Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul said count it all joy. I mean, he said count it all joy. I mean, that, that's everything. I mean, I mean, that's everything. And, uh, you know, one, yeah, we go through a difficult Sunday, and yet we recognize later on that, hey, there was a kid that was touched, or there was a leader that was in there that was touched by something. And we don't always know. You know, we don't always see it, and yet God does. And so I'm just encouraged by that, just remembering that it's not anything that I've done. I mean, I don't deserve to be where I'm at. You know, God puts us where we're at because he wants to use us. He wants to bless us. And and, um, and it's, I don't know, that's just it's a, an exciting thing. And you know, my hope is that it, it just helps to keep me from getting to those points of discouragement because I think as long as we realize from the get-go God's the one that's in charge. He's the one that's responsible for bringing the results. He just asks us to be obedient and be prepared and do the things that he's called us to do, and he'll bring about the result. That's good. And so when we're prepared and we've done everything we can, uh, we can trust God to, to take that and make it fruitful, even if, uh, even if it doesn't look that way on paper, huh? Oh, yeah, step back and know that he's God. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks, Pastor Mark Turner, again, from uh, New Life in Oak Grove, Missouri. And uh, I don't know who we'll be interviewing next, but there's some great folks here, and we're looking forward to it. Thanks again. Oh, you bet. Take care. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate your words of encouragement, and I hope uh, it was as it was as much a blessing to you to say it as it was to us to hear it. Next up, I've got a fellow named Grant Foster, who happens to be um, a youth pastor right now, but he is also volunteer uh, district uh, CE director. And uh, in the Penn, Florida district, I guess that's the Peninsular Florida district. Thank God they shortened it so people like me could say it without contorting their mouth too much. But I had the opportunity to sit with him during the conference, pick his brain a little bit about children's ministry, and um, he had some great things to say. So let's listen to that, and then we'll get to your comments and um, emails. I happen to be sitting with a pretty important guy, though he would argue with that. His name's Grant Foster. He happens to be the... Um, Children's Ministry Director for the Penn State District for the Assemblies of God, which is the uh, denomination that I'm affiliated with. But uh, I just thought I'd sit with him this morning um, in the bright sunshine of uh, through, through a pane of glass that's burning our skulls and ask a little bit about children's ministry. Um, what would you have to say to a children's pastor out there or a children's minister um, that uh, just, just an uplifting message for them today? 
Well, I think the first thing that I would say is that uh, don't give up. Don't uh, toss in the towel too quickly. Yes, it might be an uphill battle. You may have some struggles. Uh, You may feel like you're not uh, very valuable to the team, but understand that your value is not made up in how many kids you have and how big your budget is and all the bells and whistles that may come with ministry. But what matters is what are you putting into those kids? What are you doing to make the next generation uh, come to understand the fullness of the gospel of Christ and the fullness of His Holy Spirit? And so think about that in terms of value. You are valuable because of what you're planning within the lives of boys and girls uh, each and every week. And this is not something that uh, happens, uh, you know, uh, right away that you see, but you see the change result in their lives every Sunday, week in and week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, as you see them grow and mature. I think one of my most uh, important encouragement is stay for the long haul. I've been at my church 22 years, and I can tell you that uh, the longer you stay, the better they pay, uh, and also uh, the longer you stay, the more you see the results, so that when you do have those dark times, when you do have those valleys that you go through, you have something to hold on to, like we heard yesterday in one of the uh, general sessions, we heard, you know, let's not forget, let's not forget what God has brought us through. Let's make memorials like the children of Israel were taught, and let's remember the blessings and the miracles and all the things that God has done. So uh, my encouragement is keep it up, keep at it, keep walking, keep driving, keep pushing, keep doing whatever you're doing, because truly the result is going, you're going to see the result. Uh, If not here, you'll see it in eternity. What do you think the role of the children's pastor is for the child that... uh, that doesn't have that parent parental support. All they have maybe is a ride to church from their family. What advice would you give to children's pastors um, as far as their role in that that type of child's life? Well, I think that uh, the key there is building yourself a team that can uh, be those surrogate parents when mom and dad are, are not there. Uh, don't give up on mom and dad because mom and dad are still there and they still have the ultimate responsibility for that child's life. Uh, Our church uh, that I presently work at has a large outreach-based youth ministry and children's ministry that's on Wednesday night. And uh, we take kids home to dark homes. And we ask kids where their parents are and they don't know. Either they're at the bar or they're working or whatever. And so we become surrogate parents. Uh, We're there to love them, encourage them, send the birthday cards, do all those little touch things that need to be done. But ultimately, we want to get uh, a touch ministry with the parents. So we might even provide things like picnics for the family, outings for the family, and encourage mom and dad to come. And we've won several parents. I'd like to say it's a bigger percentage than, than what it really is, but... Uh, you know, anything you can do to touch those parents, because honestly, parents are probably just as frustrated with their life uh, as the child is, you know, wanting more of that attention. Uh, financial pressures, of course, are, are greater now than they ever have been. And so any way we can make it uh, conducive for parents to be encouraged, lifted up, uh, we provide a parenting class twice a quarter. Uh, especially in the area of discipline because so many parents are frustrated. Um, We're there at court when kids have to go to court. We're there at school when kids get expelled uh, because nine chances out of ten mom and dad aren't there. 
So we provide that support. Anything we can do to help hold up the parents' arms. We don't try to take over the parents' responsibility, but we try to aid them. And uh, I think that, that the key is, is here again, just loving uh, those kids, you know, unconditionally with the love of Christ and then loving those parents, not judging them. Um, we used to have some workers at our place that, that could be very condemning and very condescending to some parents until finally I, I had to correct them and say, you know, uh, you might have been there years ago when you had to work two or three jobs, when you had to do the things you had to do to take care of a school bill or whatever or a sick loved one. And, um, you know, they're, they're stressed out, and so they need our support. They don't need our, our discouragement. So uh, keep it up. Keep working hard. Uh, be intentional and uh, be those surrogate moms and dads. Children leave uh, in droves when they graduate from high school. Um, it's just it's it's not a denominational issue. It's a churchwide issue in every denomination that I've heard of. What do you think the key is to keeping kids past uh, graduation? Um, I would say that uh, connectivity is the key. Um, if you don't connect them from elementary. Uh, with an umbilical cord from elementary to middle school, from middle school to uh, high school, from high school to college, and college on into the adult worship experience. Uh, We're like no other church. We're finding the same thing that uh, most churches are finding, that uh, it's not anymore high school, it's middle school where we're we're disconnecting. And so we are intentionally um, reaching that age group. when I tell you this, it's a miracle. My wife has gotten a passion because we have a 14-year-old daughter who's, you know, eighth grade. And although she's been raised in the church, she loves God, we see that disconnection. We see that, you know, our church service is not relevant to her. And it's not the pastor's fault. Uh, he's 70 years old. He loves God. He's doing what he's called to do. But he's not going to connect to that eighth grader. And so we're intentionally reaching that group. We're taking some material that we've found, a small group that's uh, geared for that age group and, and having classes uh, on Sunday, uh, small group classes. We're, we're intentionally taking that group out of the mainstream. We, we divided our youth group uh, in two various age groups. And so uh, children's pastor says, well, how can I do that? Well, I encourage you to go to your youth pastor and say, you know, here I am raising these elementary kids. What can I do to help you? to be able to keep them for Christ, to keep their relationship. So if you can keep them connected, keep that umbilical cord, you will keep them all the way through. And I think another thing is involvement. they got to be involved in the life of the church. It can't be that you, the children's pastor, are training them to usher and to greet and to pray at the altar and to do all these things in ministry, sing and worship, do the puppets and whatnot, and then they go into youth group, and nobody lets them do anything. And so that's something to encourage your youth pastor. Allow that involvement. And then, of course, allow, tell your pastor to allow the involvement in the church. Yes, it doesn't have to be all young people, but there should be a couple of them that are involved. We intentionally put two board members, two deacons on our deacon board at our church that are one's a high schooler and one's a college and career. The reason for that is because we realize that if we're going to reach the younger generation and if they're the church of today, not really tomorrow, they're the church of today, we need to intentionally put somebody that represents that age group uh, with a voice. And we, we picked the people that had spiritual maturity and were doing something, because that's what a deacon is, is somebody that's out doing the work of the ministry. 
And uh, that has meant more in our church to that age group and kept, kept them more connected uh, than anything. Be intentional on those things, but keep that umbilical cord all the way through from the cradle to the grave so they have no choice but to stay and be in, in that relationship with not only uh, the Lord Jesus Christ but with, with the body of Christ, and that's what you want. That's excellent. I've, I've uh, been in children's ministry myself about 10 years, and I realized um, that we, do, we don't lose them in high school. We lose them in middle school, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. They just have to come with their parents until, until they get free. So I love that. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, God bless. God bless. <laughs> Thanks, Grant. Mr. Foster, Forrester. Hey, uh, let's get right into your voicemails and emails. Um, obviously, if you have any comments or questions or uh, theme ideas or any responses to any of the things that are said on the show, you could check us out at cmmonthly.com. You can send emails to cmmonthly at gmail.com or call them in 218-MONTHLY. That's 218-666-8459. You can follow us on Twitter, of course, at CMMonthly, uh, twitter.com slash CMMonthly. Also, you can fan us on Facebook, by the way. Just getting a little news in there right before our uh, our, our input. Here we go. This is from, let's see, Pat, Emily K. Hey, guys. I've been in the children's ministry director. I've been the children's minister director at my church for almost three years, and man, do I wish I had your podcast back then. I'd been put in charge of this ministry at a time when our church had gone from 300 members to less than half that, mostly retirees. I had never uh, as much taught Sunday school. At the time, I was volunteering as an assistant on Wednesday nights. I, you're, you're preaching to the choir here, uh, Emily. Uh, uh, I was given a non-paying position with no direction, and I've had to learn on my own as I go. On-the-job training. It's a perk. Uh, it's been a rough road, but I've loved it even when I hated it. Now I'm in a position uh, where the pastor and associate pastor are looking to me to bring in new families, and this seems a daunting task. I recently stumbled upon your website and downloaded all the podcasts, and since then I've been listening like a starved person, finally giving food. I will be using many of your suggestions. Thank you for being mentors for the mentorless. I thank God that you responded to his calling, and I look forward to your future podcast, Emily K. Emily, you didn't really ask a question there, but I, I'd still like to answer it as if you did. You were talking about your pastor and associate are expecting you to bring in new families, uh, and it is a daunting task, but you don't know how many, how blessed you are, how many children's pastors across this country wish that pastors would get the idea that children's ministry is the key to bringing in new families. All you have to do is love those people, love their kids, do the best job you can, and the people will come. If you build it, they will come. Great movie, great concept, and it works in children's ministry. So don't worry about uh, it being like an extra job. That's always been your job. It's just now that the pastor is realizing that, and since he does, you're in an opportunity, too, where you can ask for help. Pastor, you want me to bring in new people? Here's a, here's a to-do list. Here's something I need. I need you to let me on that stage once a month to promote, uh, you know, uh, you know, volunteering or, or just to give an update of what we're doing, or at least you let me show a video in church of the things that we've done this week. Um, the other things you might consider is sending home sheets of paper with each child, letting um, parents know what you learned about in class. 
A lot of times we send home devotions with kids. That's fine. But if you can't do all that, send home just that sheet of paper saying, hey, today in class, this was our verse. This is what we learned about. These are the songs we sung. Here's some questions you might want to ask your kids and come back next week because we're going to be talking about such and such and who's and what's. Okay. Uh, but no, you're, you're a blessed lady because you've got a pastor that gets it. So be grateful and, and just pray that God will help you to serve his vision. It's awesome. It's awesome that you know right where your pastor wants you to be. So, but yeah, daunting only if you're doing it alone. Uh, you've got God with you. So, peace to you. Um, this one's from Pastor Mikey Wan. A couple weeks ago, our pastor resigned suddenly. And by suddenly, I mean he got up to preach on Sunday morning, gave his resignation with nobody but his wife knowing about it. As an assistant student pastor, I feel like my position is a bonus or expendable, and our board has expressed the desire to keep all of us on staff. Um, that wish to stay, but from what I hear, it's not common or proper to ask a pastoral candidate to keep uh, all all the existing staff. I guess my question is, have you been through anything like this before? No, I haven't. And if so, um, what was your approach during the unsure pastor search? I just don't know if I should put myself out there, see about getting hired somewhere else, or stick to it here and hope things work out. What would you do? Sorry if the question's a bit depressing. I know God has a plan for us and wants what He wants. It's just a tough place to be. In the absence of a pastor, I believe the head of the board is the closest thing. Oh, oh, wait, by the way, great question, Pastor Mikey Wan, and I did answer it to him directly because it seemed kind of urgent. Um... It, what I would do in that position is I would be looking for a place. I'd be praying a ton, and I would just uh, believe that God's will would be done. If the board wanted me to stay, they are the closest thing to a boss that you have right now. And um, I would go ahead and draft a resignation letter in the event that a pastor comes on staff. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave until that's done. God knows you know, um, the morals that He's given you and the desire He's given you, and I know you don't want to um, you know, abandon those families when they're probably in the most need of all right now. So just continue to be faithful um, and, and you know, go look for a job just in case. You know, that's just common sense to cover for your family. God doesn't expect you not to, to have a backup plan. Um, but at the end of it all, you just say, nevertheless, not my will, but what yours will is. And that's what we did when we moved from Sheffield to Suncoast is we had our plans, but we submitted them to God. And we said, not what we want, what you want. And we said, we're going to move this direction, but we're going to move slowly, slow enough um, to where you can step in and say no at any time. And we're going to not make a single decision that we can't unmake the instant we feel that you don't want us to go that way. So I hope that helps, Pastor Mikey Wan. Thanks for um, thanks for sending it in. We've got two more here. Hey, I got to tell you, this is from uh, Jeremy Duncan. I got to tell you how much I love to see a monthly podcast. I've only caught up to number nine on delegation, but it's what I needed to hear. I'm a youth pastor. Not sure if I told you that in the past. And I think you need to change the name of the podcast to Ministry Monthly because your stuff works for all areas of ministry. Thanks for the great work, Jeremy and Greenfield. Well, thanks, dude. <laughs> well, we're all ministers, but you got to put the children's ministry in there so people can find you. There's there's not as many resources for the normal everyday children's minister as there are for you youth pastors. So no offense, but... Uh, um, First off, let's see, this is from Matt L. Uh, first off, let me tell you, I enjoy the show. I have downloaded them all and listen on my way to work every day. Pretty sure the wife get ty- gets tired of hearing me talk about you and Dave all the time. I have recently been able to put out some of the y'alls. 
or put some of y'all's ideas to work. Uh, question. When spelling y'alls, is it Y-A apostrophe L-L-S or Y-A apostrophe L-L apostrophe S? Neither one, actually. It's you all. So the apostrophe comes after the Y. You all. Okay, there you go. And and usually uh, y'alls is, uh, we don't usually say that very much. So, you know, y'all. It's just y'all. There's no plural for y'all. Y'all is plural. Anyways. Um, I normally plan one to one and a half to two hours for a normal Sunday school morning or normal Sunday morning. Sometimes service goes long, sometimes short. How do you handle, how do you handle the long times with a time filler and how do you handle the short ones when parents show up halfway through your lesson? I want the time spent with the kids to be precious, not just throw a movie and kind of stuff. Thanks for your help. It's really long. Probably should have emailed instead of contacted by this form. Sorry, Matt L. Don't be sorry. It wasn't that long. Um, I I don't know if I understand everything you're saying here, uh, but uh, let me just lay it out the way I I do it and the way I know um, some of the other children's pastors do it is I know the average time of my children's church serve or my big church service and I am there to serve that pastor and serve those parents so I do not demand that parents wait outside for my service to be over never do uh, when I had a kid I realized how how big-headed I would have to be to put any kind of sign on the door that says please respect my service and don't come in and bother me um, I don't do that I rip those off the wall because those parents are the primary spiritual source for those kids, and who am I to block access to them, even if they weren't, you know? But I want to get my kid whenever I want. I am a parent, too, and so why would I deny my parents that, okay? That being said, the way I do children's church is um, I do start on time. I will say that. I do start right on the dot because I want people to be prompt. Plus, if you build in a buffer, all they do is play with the buffer instead of the starter time. So if you start 15 minutes late, that'll be the real time people start flirting with. And so they'll start up 15 minutes late. So I start on time. If they're going to be late, they're late. We do cut off. We will start cutting off check-in time 15 minutes after service starts for first hour uh, for Sunday school. And then we're going to start cutting off check-in a half hour after for a uh, second hour because it's a little longer. So there's but more of a buffer time. But we do start on time regardless. Now, the end service, I always build in a buffer on the end. Um, we have lots and lots of toys. Uh, not lots, I should say. I have, I have hula hoops. I have jump ropes. I have backgammon. Not really. Checkers. Uh, connect for a bunch of junk like that scattered around and the kids know that after um, altar call we close the service there's small group time and then play time free play and that happens and that that fills in that buffer time now notice i've got small groups built in too and if if church lets out early the, the worst that can happen is that 15 to 10, 10 to 15 minutes of small group time gets cut short. Parents are walking in after service regardless, even if they're early. If, if it's on time, then they're coming in right as uh, small groups are letting out. And, and when I say small groups, I just put them in different corners of this big room that we're in and uh, each have a little leader, a little uh, person, not a little person. They're not midgets or anything, but you know what I mean. But if they were, it wouldn't be a problem, okay? Um, and then if if they come late, then I've got this playtime built in so that they can play 
for an unlimited amount of time. And I play, you know, Christian music videos on the big screen and the kids, uh, the only rules is no running and chasing. You can do anything else you want, climb, uh, karate chop, wrestling moves, whatever, but no running and chasing. So that's how I do it. I, I'm a big fan of moving, uh, moving up because uh, before that, uh, obviously, I mentioned altar time. I have my altar time a good 20, 30 minutes before the end of service, so where it never gets cut. And if the Holy Spirit takes it longer, then still, the only thing I'm losing is small group time. And, and, and if it goes super, super long, possibility is it's going to still be over or at least winding down before parents even come to the door. And, um, you know, I know a lot of children's pastors don't want people interrupting uh, altar time. But my thing is, dude, if my kid's at the altar, I'm going to join them there. And I want to offer parents the opportunity to do that. Now, if they choose not to and just grab their kid and go, that's on them. It really, truly is. We've got to let these parents um, be the bosses. And we've got to uh, you know, help them and empower them and, and pray that our pastors will. But they are the primary spiritual uh, leaders and the physical leaders of their kids, and, and I'm not going to get in the way. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to try to lead them and guide them and help them. Um, but I'm not going to ban them from what God's doing in their kid's life. Okay? So, Matt, I hope that helps. All right, so now let's look at some resources real quick. This comes to us from Dave White, Super Dave, former co-host of CM Monthly. And uh, he reminded me of something I've been using for a while. Never thought of it as a children's ministry resource, but um, it's uh, Stock Exchange. That's what it's called. It's for stock photography. It's found at sxc.hu. And again, that's www.sxc.hu. And it is a stock photography website. And if you don't know what stock photography is, have you ever needed a, a picture of something, a high-quality photo of rocks or a cookie or a kid who looks sad, maybe. Um, and you wonder where people get that from. A lot of times people want to charge you for that, but for some reason, somehow, some way, Stock Exchange is free. Again, at sxc.hu. And uh, I, I get textures from there, you know, like if I need a texture of a, of a, um, a document, like a faded, worn-out uh, picture, like a, like a map, like... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, I'm talking about the, the, the paper that looks old. I'm going to go there and I'm going to look for that. If I need picture of a brick wall, I'm going to go to stock exchange and that's where I find it at. It helps me build PowerPoints. Um, I do a little bit of Photoshop editing, so that helps me find stuff. So check it out. It's completely free. Um, stock exchange at sxc.hu. Now they do have, um, uh, stuff for sale, like usually the top row is is stuff that is at cost. Um, but down below that first row on your search results, you're going to find stuff. Now, when you first go to the website, you're going to want to go ahead and just search for something. There, uh, There's a randomizer. There's all kinds of different options. But pretty much nothing on the front page is going to be useful to you if you don't want to spend any money. But yeah, I go there all the time. So thanks, uh, Dave, for that. I appreciate it. And I believe that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Hey, make sure you check us out at seeamonthly.com. Join us on Facebook. We're in there. You can become a fan and get the latest news. You can also get the latest news by following us on Twitter, twitter.com slash pastorjk. And that's just following me. Or you can follow the show at twitter.com slash seeamonthly. Join us at cmconnect.org, another great website. 
uh, tell somebody about the show. You can email us, seeamonthly at gmail.com, or call in 218-MONTHLY. That's 218-666-8459. Uh, tell somebody about the show and send us an iTunes review. You can go on, if you found us through iTunes, uh, leave a five-star or above review. That would be awesome. The or above may be a little difficult since they only allow for five stars, but just get a magic marker right, right on the screen. Guys, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next month with an interview with the lads awesome music group from New Zealand right here on CM Monthly. Peace.